Mommy's not cool, so I ate the newspaper ink, bled through my stool, tripped on the paper, formed into questions, poisoned veins, and prevented erections. Made a weird joke, my friends don't get it. Some in the scapegoats, they're the ones that said it. Working on the subway laptop, ate my soul, cloud, ate my data. Story tadpole. Story tadpole, story tadpole, story tadpole. Mic check. Mic check one two. Mic check one two one two. <laughs> Welcome to Sword Tadpole. <laughs> This week's story, listener discretion is advised because there's some strong language and some strong themes going on in this one. On the first day of second grade, we learned how to multiply. Turning a two into a ten was as simple as multiplying it by five. What a word, multiply. It contained a Y, my favorite letter, and an M, which was a great letter too because it reminded me of mom. There was a multiplication test every Wednesday, which was fine with me because it meant that mom would wake me up early so that I could eat many strips of bacon while I practiced. That was an easy one, mom. Give me a harder one. Oh yeah, she'd say jokingly. If you think you're so good, what's eight times five? I peel the fat off the bacon, trying to disguise my counting fingers. I wanted to answer quickly, so she'd tell me how smart I was. The first real letter grade I ever got was from one of those tests. It was a C minus. It should have been an F minus, but my teacher was nice. In the years before, my report card contained symbols instead of letters. Eric gets a check plus for reading but a check minus for classroom behavior because he often plays with scissors. A C minus felt better than a check minus. My older sister was a whiz. Whenever she'd get straight A's, which was almost every report card, mom would take her out to dinner. She always chose Applebee's. I never got to go with. The report card dinner was a private event. Whoever got the A's, received for one beautiful evening mom's undivided attention. My sister always ordered the fajitas. She wrote poems about them and read them aloud to me. Chicken and peppers, you're more than just. And sizzling garlic finely crushed. Lovely fajitas that don't smell like feet. Chicken breasts so tender, so sweet. It can't be real, it's too grand a treat. It surely must be unicorn meat. My mouth watered with intense craving. I always asked her to save me a bite of unicorn meat, but there were never any leftovers. Do you know how the waiter brings out the fajitas, she'd asked me. No, how? They deliver it to the table on sizzling disks of iron, she said, licking her lips. And you know how sometimes when mom cooks chicken, some of the pieces 
have that golden brown color on the outside? I nodded. Well, all the pieces are like that, except it's even better. Really, I'm not doing it justice. You'll just have to try it one day. I was a seaworthy captain, sailing on great ships made from sweet peppers. I was a fearless stunt double who jumped off buildings and landed atop tender unicorn meat pillows. I was a waiter at Applebee's who tunneled through towering pyramids of fajita like a worm through soil. They were dreams of great joy and greater envy. My sister was a high schooler, a freshman, and also the smartest person I knew besides mom, who was the smartest person anyone knew. But whenever I asked mom how to get smarter, she always told me that as long as I did my best, I'd be fine. I didn't like that answer. I didn't want to be fine. I wanted to be smart. So I asked my sister, Eric, being a genius is my superpower, but if you want your own, it's easy. You just have to crack a dozen eggs into a bowl, drain a whole bottle of blue food coloring in it, and rub it all over your body. Keep it there for a whole week, and at the end of the week, you'll have your superpower. Do you think mom would take me to Applebee's if I had my own power? I asked. I'm sure of it, she said. I was skeptical, but then I thought of fajitas. I looked her in the eye. How many is a dozen? I asked. That night, after everyone went to sleep, I whipped it up in the kitchen. The mixture was very gloopy and didn't feel pleasant on my skin, but I pretended it was lotion and got through it. Before long, I was a blue boy. Soon it dried and began flaking off, so I made some more of the mixture and put it into a squeeze bottle so I could easily reapply. I put the mixture everywhere. I briefly thought about not putting it on my penis, but when you want unicorn fajitas, you put blue eggs on your penis. You just do. Folks at school told me that I was blue. Correct, I'd say, but just for this week. Naturally, I got lots of questions about why my skin was blue. I would say things I thought were clever like, why is your skin white? Or why is your skin brown? Or thanks for noticing, I have been feeling a bit blue lately. Sometimes I'd say, what are you talking about? Then I'd look down at my hands, and in surprise, I'd dance down the hall singing, I'm blue, da ba dee da ba die, da ba dee da ba die. My sister's boyfriend was called Charlie. A carabiner always hung from his belt loop with a big 32-ounce water bottle that pulled his pants down, revealing his boxers. He did it on purpose so that girls could see his V-shaped oblique muscles. I thought Charlie was really cool, but really he might have been an asshole. He always joked that my sister's fingers looked like fat cocktail weenies. She laughed along, but I could tell she didn't think it was funny. My sister always kept her bedroom door locked. They did naughty things behind that door. I could hear them. When Charlie asked me why I was blue, I told him the truth. I said that I would get superpowers if I had the stuff on my body for a week. Oh yeah, he said grinning. What powers are you going to get? I don't know yet. I'm hoping for super strength. You'll be like a blue hulk, he laughed. 
but younger, weaker, bluer, and without any real powers. What are you talking about? I said. Your sister told you all that stuff is a prank, kid. That shit won't give you anything except blue balls, he said, laughing at his own joke. I laughed along with him, just like my sister, though I didn't know what blue balls meant. I didn't understand why he was lying to me. My sister wouldn't do that. I began to like Charlie less. The day of removal was a Monday. I came home from school, eager to finally free my skin of its azure coating. I got a fresh loofah from the bathroom and scrubbed hard for many hours. The skin beneath became raw and pink. I felt like a piglet, but at least I'd earned my superpower. I ran to mom's office where she kept a set of weights by the printer. Last I checked, I was only able to do one curl of the 20 pound dumbbell if I used both hands. I cracked my knuckles and blood brimming with adrenaline heaved the weight into the air, not once, but twice before dropping it to the ground with a violent crack. Super strength was the only reasonable explanation. Other people had to know about my super strength. I saved up my allowance and bought pickle jars, which I leave on the counter, and then waiting just outside the kitchen, I'd answer before mom could even finish asking. Eric, where did all these jars of pickles come from? I interrupted. I could open them for you if you want. Twice a week, my class would travel down the hall to the physics room, where we'd use Legos to learn about matter and gravity. After asking to use the restroom, I snuck into the physics room and smothered the bucket of Legos with super glue. Later that day, I sat in front as my teacher attempted to teach us how bridges worked. Her face reddened as she tried to pull two Legos apart. Sorry about this, she said. All these pieces are really... I interrupted. Do you need help, Miss Calloway? I think I could pull them apart. I snatched them from her hands before she could reply. My face reddened to the strawberry color of Miss Carraway's, then to the deep scarlet purple of a plum, before exclaiming aloud that it simply was not possible for human or superhero to separate the pieces. Earlier that year, I'd read a comic about Superman when he was a teenager. He was pretty strong, but he wasn't that strong. He could lift a tractor, but his face looked a bit strained. However, later in his career, Superman could lift an entire mountain. Perhaps I thought super strength is something that gets stronger over time. I kept a heavy rock in my backpack which I would lift repeatedly as I walked home from school. After a week, this rock was a little easier to lift. I was growing more powerful. I wasn't aware that the human body adjusts to such things by adding muscle. The mirror became my best friend. I used to eat SpaghettiOs right after getting home from school, but after getting my power, I took my shirt off and immediately ran to the mirror. I would flex, turning my hips from side to side, rotating my arms up and down like strong men in exercise infomercials. I'd use a ruler to measure the shadows caused by dimples of new muscle. There were times when I doubted the progression of my strength, for which I saved a special perspective. 
I would take a step back from my normal spot in front of the mirror, aligning my body directly beneath the bathroom light. The shadows would immediately double in size, and I would be reminded of the power I possessed. I thought of this manipulation of shadow as an act which revealed my true self. Suboptimal lighting was just a part of my disguise, the same way that glasses were a part of Clark Kent's disguise. My sister's room was across from the bathroom. She always kept it locked. But one time, Charlie saw me flexing in the mirror as he left her room. Smirking, he turned to my sister and whispered to her, It sounded like he said, Your brother's a fucking fag. But maybe it was actually, Your brother's a lucky fad. The whispering made it hard to know. My sister told him to shut up because I was right there. Did you just tell me to shut up, he said. My sister didn't respond. I asked you a question. She looked down and said nothing. Charlie gently lifted her chin so that she looked at him in the eye, then smiled. My sister smiled back. Then he smacked her hard across the face. She didn't cry. He kissed her goodbye, then left. Her cheek was rosy the next morning and I could see a bruise starting to form. Mom didn't ask about it because sometimes my sister had eczema flare-ups, and Mom didn't want to embarrass her. It was winter when Charlie taught me the truth about my powers. That day, I needed a pick-me-up, so I stepped back, aligning the bathroom light with my body so the shadows outlining my muscles would grow in size. Across the hall, noises came from my sister's room. Low moaning often came from her room when Charlie was over. For so long, I thought nothing of them. But after he'd hit my sister, I became afraid of the noises. Maybe he was hurting her. Superman wouldn't let someone hurt his sister. Neither would I. Leaving my shirt off, I tiptoed to her door and put my ear against it. If the cause of the noises was physical pain, it was not a sort of pain I was familiar with. A few nights ago, she proclaimed to Mom that she was in love with Charlie and that someday they would get married. Pain must be different when you love someone, I thought. I slowly applied force to the door handle. As usual, it was locked. I kept a straightened paper clip in my nightstand in case someone behind a locked door needed saving. I stuck the paperclip in the hole on the handle. The pop was much louder than expected. The noises inside the room stopped suddenly. I stood there, frozen in place. The whole thing was a terrible idea, a mistake. What was I thinking? I tiptoed away from the door, but then I heard a rapid shuffling of feet and Charlie yanked the door open. He was naked. Were you spying on us? Charlie, just leave him alone. He didn't mean to, said my sister. He turned back to her. Was I talking to you? No, she whispered. No, I wasn't. I was talking to your brother. Besides, it was just a harmless question. He turned back to me. So, were you spying on us? No, I said, but you shouldn't be hurting my sister. Charlie laughed and turned so that he was now partly facing both of us. He thinks I was hurting you. 
Your faggot kid brother thinks those noises were from pain. He laughed again. You stupid piece of shit. I wasn't hurting her. I was fucking her. I didn't understand what he was talking about. Charlie, just get back in bed, said my sister. Ignoring her, he spoke to me. You think you're some kind of hero, don't you? So what power did that blue stuff give you, huh? Super strength, was it? You think you're the Hulk now? Think you're Superman? No, I said quietly. Like I told you, it was all a prank. Your sister and I laughed at you from behind this door that whole fucking week. A dozen eggs and blue food coloring? You think that shit's gonna give you powers? You're hopeless. You are fucking hopeless. He paused for a second, then said, Hey, come over here. I want to show you something. I started backing away. No, I have to. Come on, I gotta show you something. Just come here. I'm not gonna hurt you. I didn't respond. He lunged at me. I screamed, backing away, but he got a handful of hair and yanked me forward. From the corner of my eye, I saw my sister jumping out of bed. She grabbed his shirt, but his fist whipped backward and smacked the side of her head. She thumped to the ground. We both looked at her unmoving body for a second, but then his attention came back to me. I screamed through Charlie's first punch. It wasn't painful, really. The only thing I could feel was the force of the impact. The second hit pushed the screaming back down my throat. After the third hit, everything felt really light and soft, like a lazy dream on a hotel bed. I felt like a noodle as my vision began to darken. Things were not going like I'd imagined. If only I could rewind. I'd pick the lock and burst through the room, grabbing Charlie's hand just as it was about to hit my sister. I'd knee him in the gut, grab his crumpled body, hang it out the window, and let go. Alas, none of that happened. There was no rewind button. Charlie was in the process of teaching me an important lesson. That I had no power, that I was weak and small and useless, that my sister was nothing but a toy. I cried then. The salt water burned the cuts on my face. I wanted to be with Mom. I wanted to be in her stroller as she walked through the botanic gardens, bug net up, no cares, no worries. She wouldn't be home from work for another two hours. What more could Charlie do with those two hours? The fourth punch should have made everything black, but instead it made everything bright. The colors in my sister's room intensified. I saw Charlie through clear eyes. I saw everything about him. The veins in his forehead, the pupils dilating with rage, and other things too. Things I couldn't see before. My left eye was my own, but my right eye was Charlie's. Through it, I saw a wiry man called Father, whose liquored breath formed smoky tendrils that wrapped around his son's neck. I saw a group of people called Friends, who grabbed their dicks and called each other pussy for not using them. I saw a heart swollen with cholesterol and fear that beat too fast because it didn't know how not to. Charlie dropped me, clutching his head and screaming in pain. What the fuck did you do to me? I didn't know what I'd done to him, what I was still doing to him. My left eye was my own, but my right 
was Charlie's. Through it, I saw my sister's room get larger. Charlie was shrinking. His ears whistled like a teapot as steam shot from them and swirled into smoky clouds beside him. Charlie's own eyes had been closed, but just then they opened, each eye emitting multiple beams of light which lit up the still-growing clouds. Figures began dancing through the smoke. They were images, I realized, originating from somewhere behind his pupils. Seconds ago, Charlie had been a boy on the edge of manhood. Now, Charlie was a projector. The images that shot forth from his eyes changed with increasing quickness until it was clear that these were more than just a collection of images. They were movies. They displayed the man called Father, the group called Friends, and countless other unnamed characters. Every second, one of the beams would sputter out, only to be replaced by two more. The rays of light struggled to free themselves, pressing against the constraints of his eyes as they broke out of whatever cage had been holding them. Charlie, still screaming, tried to shut his eyelids, but the beams shot through without losing a drop of severity. The area above his lips began to glow, and soon the light came from his mouth as well. The rate at which he shrank increased as the moving images, now hot with intensity, played at double speed. In one of them I saw my sister. She lied in her bed, wincing in pain as she tried to smile at someone through the bruises on her face. Of course, that someone had been Charlie. All the videos were about Charlie, things he'd done, things he'd thought, scenes he was a part of, both star and director the subject and the photographer. My left eye was my own, but my right was Charlie's. Through it I saw a thousand blistering memories at once, all of them jostling for position and a thousand more bubbling just beneath the surface. His own eyes undulated and warped with the pressure of overwhelming brightness. They yearned for release, until finally the shrinking boy on the brink of manhood now empty of steam and light, was no larger than a lima bean. I went to go pick him up. His tiny body was wedged between two lugs of textured carpet. I held him in the palm of my hand. He looked sad and broken, like an overused action figure, with limbs pointing ways that limbs shouldn't point. I wasn't sure what to do with him, so I put him in my pocket and went to the bathroom so I could continue assessing my strength in front of the mirror. I saw my own body, the same scrawny torso, the same little bumps that I used to call my guns, and the same pale, hairless skin. But there was something different about my eyes. The right iris appeared to drop further down into blackness as it approached the center, like it fell off a cliff before reaching the pupil. It made the eye look like a tiny telescope. Perhaps it was a sign of my power, which evidently was not super strength, but rather something that made big people look small. I took Charlie from my pocket and held his now awake figure between my thumb and forefinger. Stop squirming, I said to him. His body stiffened and his little face began to shed little tears. 
You've gotten so small, I said. He began to speak, so I raised his head to my ear. The noises that came from his little mouth were nothing but squeaks, too high-pitched to make sense of. So not knowing what else to do, I popped him in my mouth like a vitamin, swallowed him whole, and that was that. Thank you for listening to Story Tadpole this week. If you like the story, that's great. You can donate at patreon.com slash storytadpole. You can send me an email at eric.josh.grossman at gmail.com if you have something to say. This week's music was written by Daniel Birch, Smaller Tide, and Josh Woodward. You can find their music on the freemusicarchive.org. Thanks again, and come back next week for a new story.